This week on the Virtualcast, Addy Robertson and Alex Rands join the show. We talk about HTC's new lightweight VR headset, preview the Apple event next week, the Google event next week, and the Samsung event next week. And we wrap it all up with some talk about our party. That's coming up on the Virtualcast now. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to VergeCast, the flagship podcast of reality. You weren't expecting that. It's the whole thing, Bold. all of it. <laughs> all kinds of mixed, augmented, virtual, whatever you want. We got it here at the VergeCast Reality Mart. I'm Neil, I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. I'm your chum. Ooh, very nice. Addie Robertson is here. Hey. Alex Kranz is here. I'm your pal. Yeah. And we're yeah. all friendly today. We're friendly today. We're all in a good mood. We have a lot to talk about. There's an Apple event next week. There's a Google event next week. There's a Samsung event next week. Yeah. Most importantly, though, uh, there's a Verge event next week. Yeah. It's a real thing that's happening. Ten years in the making. After one decade, they finally let me through a party. We've earned it. it. It's uh, been a long planning <laughs> process, too. Ten whole years to plan this party. <laughs> it's all I've been doing. Yeah. Um, you just open a Google Doc. I've been taking, yeah, I've been taking notes about what this party should be in the background of the show while you all have been talking for 10 years. Um, <laughs> why do you think I'm always so distracted? Ooh, another party idea. Uh, it is, in fact, our 10-year party. It is also an event. It is called On the Verge. It is October 22nd and 23rd in New York City. We have quite a lot of things going on. Uh, Dieter and I are going to be host of Vergecast mm-hmm. with Joanna Stern and David Pierce, notable Verge traders Joanna Stern and David Pierce. We, we're going to, I'm just going to tell the Vergecast audience this. I'm going to give away the, the game a little bit. If you look at our feed, we're missing one episode, right? So we number the episodes. Yeah. So there is not a Vergecast 69. Nice. Nice. Thank Aww. you. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do it. We're going to make it. And we're going to pull the headlines from that moment in history. Which are amazing. Which are I don't want to spoil any of them, but... Oh, my God. Uh, so that's going to be good. Uh, we've got some ideas there. Dieter is going to – can we give this away, Dieter? Sure. Dieter and I are going to talk to Nick Weaver, the CEO of Eero, and we're going to yell at him about specs, which we're told people like when we do. <laughs> uh, Liz is going to do a panel on NFTs in the metaverse. That's going to be wild. Ashley's interviewing some Clubhouse folks. Casey's going to do some Casey stuff. We have DJs, there's a party, there's an open bar, there's art installations. It's going to be nuts. 
Uh, so I'll be at happening. the bar, by the way. <laughs> Alex will be at the bar. <laughs> We've thought a lot about what we want this event to be. We just came from the code conference. We obviously talked about it in the show. The code conference is, right, it's power. It's CEOs and celebrities. We didn't want to do code junior. We wanted to have a party for people who have been reading The Verge for 10 years and do cool stuff. Not that code isn't cool, but you know what I mean? Like, we mm-hmm. want to make it for you. So we're very excited about it. We have selling lots of tickets. You can go to voxmediaevents.com slash Verge. Enter code dollar sign 99 now. Come, come see us in New York. We would love to see you. The 99 now brings the price of a standard ticket down to, I believe, 99 bucks. There you go. And that includes the price of um, four drink tickets. And I don't know if you've ever tried to get or pay for a drink in New York City, but uh, it's basically a free ticket if you think about it that way. <laughs> it is a free ticket. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. And I will tell you this. The Verge team is going to be there in force. It's the first time we've all seen each other in like two years. Yeah. So... I'm, I, I am just I'm very thrilled. excited to see everybody. I have, I've only seen Alex in person once. It was great. Uh, it was great. But, like, that's weird, right? <laughs> like, yeah. That's just we a saw weird each other thing. once. We're like, nice to acknowledge you. Yeah, like, there you are. <laughs> uh, but there's lots of new folks at the Verge. I'm excited to see all of them. And I'm excited to see all of our readers and friends come out. So if you are in or around New York next week, we would love to see you. Okay, that's enough promotion. They even had a promo code. I mean, come on. What's the promo code again? Dollar sign 99 now. All caps. Heck yeah. They really went for it with the promo code. <laughs> They're like, make it harder. Put a dollar sign in there. Wait, this doesn't have both a capital letter and a number. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's not eight characters. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, but we'd love to see you. All right, news. We got news. Addy, you're here. I feel like we have you on the show to talk about very complicated regulatory issues and then hilarious VR headsets. And I, as Elaine, I think I'm most jealous of your Elaine. I mean, is there really a VR headset that's not hilarious? <laughs> well, this one is like particularly hilarious. So we have lived in a world dominated in VR. You know, many companies came and went. Right now, it's pretty dominated by Facebook. There's a new one from HTC this week. Tell us about it. So HTC, which as you might remember, it makes the Vive headset. It also makes several permutations of the Vive. It was like the absolute sort of original VR with motion controls, uh, has now released a $500 headset called the Vive Flow, whose deal is basically that it doesn't have motion controls. Um, (laughs) it's, It's a little more complicated than that, but it's, so it's a very, very light headset. It looks basically closer to sunglasses than you'll find any VR headset looking like, but that's also not saying a ton. It's like gigantic bug eye sunglasses. Yeah. Closer is doing a lot of work there. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, and it's... Wait, I just want to be clear. You can't see through the lenses, right? Correct. No, it looks like sunglasses. It's not sunglasses. It's displays. <laughs> and then Amazing. it has two cameras on the front. So you can do like pass-through cameras so they can turn mm-hmm. on a, a video feed, but that's just the same thing you can do on lots of VR headsets. It fits on like sunglasses, so it also doesn't have a strap. It's like little glasses arms. And it doesn't have a controller. It's going to have motion like hand tracking. And normally what you do is you use an Android phone. You connect it and it works like basically a laser pointer. It's a sort of remote control. There's an app. It doesn't support iPhone for what seem to be sort of complex technical reasons. And the goal is that it's supposed to be for 
very still VR activities. They promote it as being, it's really, really good for meditation. It's good if you want to watch 360 degree video. It has an external battery pack, but the battery pack lasts, it's saying four to five hours, which is way longer than you'd get on say the Oculus Quest 2. Mm -hmm. But it's also not super clear about building a really compelling case for why you would spend $500 on it yet. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. I'm so stuck on how it looks because it looks like a pair of glasses with the arms and the lenses that I I feel like the first thing they're going to have to educate people on is that it's not glasses. Like it's, it's, I know it's not glasses and I'm looking at it and my brain is like, Oh, those are glasses. Yeah, no, I looked at it when we, so we did a demo. Um, it was in like, downtown New York and go up to the space and there's this person looking at me through the glasses and I'm like, are those AR glasses? No, no, they are not. (laughs) (laughs) And then second, do you have a sense of the complicated technical issue that makes it Android only and not iOS? Because that is a, wow, way to cut your market down to nothing right away. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say complicated so much as it's like, I shouldn't really even try to speculate about it because HTC didn't really explain it to me. But it seems like it's a, you need some level of control, like you need some level of access to the sensors. Like it's basically you using a gyroscope. You need to be able to sync really closely with it. And it seems like iOS just doesn't let you do that. Huh. So you're mm. holding the phone and you're just like waving the phone around in VR and it- the, giant, the motion detection of the phone creates the laser pointer that you're talking about. Right. If you remember Google Daydream from a billion years ago, it works a lot like that, only instead of a little plastic remote, it's a phone. Why did they go with a phone instead of just a little plastic remote? Uh, the argument is it's because if you're putting this in a bag or your pocket, you don't want to have extra bits to like carry around with you. You want to just use things you already have. There's already like a purse, right? This is one of those things where I'm going to have a really hard time describing the rationale for all these things because I think the rationale is bad. My biggest problem with it is HTC at this event, they have this huge pitch about how it's really great for older VR users, people who just want to come into VR for the first time, um, people who want to use it for therapeutic purposes, people who are stuck in their house because they have mobility issues. They pitched it as being for boomers. I mean, specifically, <laughs> uh, but the problem is that those are the people who are a least likely to have a phone, like a smartphone and B, if you end up using motion, like hand controls, those are also probably the people for whom that's going to be the most tiring and awkward and hand controls even now are just really finicky. Even if you have incredibly strong, fine motor skills, it's just, it's like the worst control system possible for the thing that they're saying they want to do. Yeah, the the fall off of users at pair this device with another device, <laughs> like there's just a cliff there. We're like, oh, I fell off the cliff and I'm never going to climb back up it because it, it's difficult. And then that category of users also very likely to have the other platform offense. I do like that you have a quote from one of the app vendors. It's like, this is for the huge boomer population. That's great. I appreciate that. What? operating system does it run? Where do the apps come from? So HTC has a VR headset flavor of Android, basically. It has a sort of 
custom operating system that in general is pretty good. The thing is that this is coming on the heels of the Vive Focus 3, which is a really strong headset that is just not aimed at consumers at all. It's a pretty expensive, but very sophisticated standalone headset. So the interface looks a lot like it. It's using some subset of the apps. You can go on the Viveport store, you can get this pared down version of the store that only supports the kind of things that this works for, um, which again, they're talking about as being sort of productivity, meditation. You can mirror apps from a phone so you can watch Netflix on it. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Like they got to take a shot, right? Like everything else, the quest Two is just sort of like eating the consumer market and it's a fine product, but I'm not willing to just give it all to Facebook. I'm happy for them to take shots at it. I think the other thing that I'm, as I was reading your coverage, like they're trying to change the form factor of a headset, right? Into glasses instead of a, a thing that mounts on your head. And that seems hit or miss. I just don't think it's there yet. I think that they've, this headset, it is super light. It's really, really very light, which is partly what you would expect when you have a mandatory battery pack um, <laughs> that you've offloaded the battery onto. <laughs> but the, it's just still, I think one of the issues is that it is not as adaptive for different head sizes. I always have trouble with this because I'm just, I'm a relatively small person. So it's really hard for me to tell what the experience feels like if you are sort of the average person that they tend to test these with. But it just, it's not even that it's uncomfortable. It's that you put it on and it slips down your nose and you see half the screen. And they have swappable gaskets, which uh, that's the sort of part of, the mask that goes between your face and the lenses of the headset. And that's great. It makes it better, but it's still a thing where you're just trying to be really, really careful. And it feels like you're just balancing this thing on your head. And that's just, that's not relaxing. That's not fun. And I'm sure there are people for whom it does work, but it's really frustrating that when HTC and Oculus have recognized that it, there is a huge demand for alternate straps on other headsets, that they're just not even trying with this. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they're not even trying at all with this headset. Like, just nothing about it makes sense. I don't understand (laughs) who the audience is. I don't understand, like, the point of it. Like, we already already had the sit still and put your phone in some cardboard glasses, like, VR experience that this seems to be, like, giving... The main benefit is that it sucks less than that. So it, it genuinely does feel a lot better. And you yeah. don't have to put your phone into a thing and use up your entire phone battery on a really bright screen. It has advantages. It works a lot like the Oculus Go, but it still it has tracking cameras, so it feels a lot more natural. I'd like the fundamental things it's doing, but yeah, it's just I get the feeling they just made this thing in a lab and they were like, this seems cool. And then they sold it. It looks cool. Like, I don't know. I know we all think it looks stupid, but at the same time, it like... Oh, no, I think it looks like cool. It looks ridiculous. But yeah. I think it's fun, and I really like that they designed it this way. I feel like it's something that, like, 10 years from now, we're all going to be like, man, you know who got it right? Yeah. And we all made fun of it? The Vive Flow. Like, I feel like it's one of those things where we're going to look back on it and be like, oh, we should have been slightly nicer. We shouldn't. Mm. No. No, well, the thing that I want <laughs> is I want them to make that headset. I want them to make the 
awesome Johnny Mnemonic Bug Eyes design, but I want them to give me a strap. I want them to give me something that I actually want to wear and that I think I would be able to recommend to people to want to wear. I don't want it to recommend something where I'm like, yeah, no, it's great. You can put it in your pocket, but once you put it on, it's going to be incredibly frustrating. Nobody wants to get in VR again after that. Were there really big, like, technical, like, kind of breakthroughs they made with this to, to get it that small besides offloading the battery? to to this little silly pack. It's kind of hard to tell without knowing a lot about the internals that I think they sort of just stripped some things down. So it has two cameras. A lot of headsets have four. You can manage to get that. Like you can kind of pare down the electronics there. I think that also just reducing the sheer amount of plastic in it probably helps quite a bit. Um, For context, it's, I think, think something it's like less than half the weight of the oculus quest 2 i mean that's light that's nice so two things one alex we're doing all this like 10 year we're gonna do like we're doing a big retrospective 10 year package yeah the verge actually turns 10 there is not a single review that we have looked back at (laughs) because we're we're gonna publish like greatest hits we have not looked at a single one yet Dieter. i think where we're like oh we should have been nicer (laughs) <laughs> or almost all of them are like, ah, oh, we should have been way meaner to this thing. Oh, look, I'm being clear, this is not a review. This is me putting the headset yeah, yeah. on. I play yeah, around yeah, with yeah. it. It's possible. I'll find it, I don't know. Try yeah. it. And I'll say, actually, when I put this thing on a few times, it's great. My first impressions were just not strong. And they were not strong in very fixable ways. It has like Neo. Do you guys know the Neo Geo Pocket? Do you remember this thing? Yes. This handheld. It has real Neo Geo pocket energy to me, where it's like there's a lot of cool ideas happening here. There's a lot of things that are like we're going to just take for granted 10 years from now. But there's also a reason that most of people don't know what a Neo Geo pocket is. I think oh, the same, are, welcome, same thing you're ho- here. You're home now. <laughs> the, the, audiences. The, thing, no, the reason I wanted to talk about this, and there's some other VR news we should talk about, but I, Addy, I wanted you on to talk about this because... One, we are constantly surrounded by all of this metaverse talk. Like, it is just the air we breathe now, the weird, extremely on drugs air that we breathe now, that like the virtual worlds are coming. God, I wish there were drugs. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's just venture capital. But we are still, we're at this weird place where we're almost taking the hardware that will enable AR and VR for granted, right? And there's one product that's very popular from Facebook. Then there's some targeted products, HTC's other products. There is HoloLens from Microsoft, enterprise product. There are just not very many consumer-oriented mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality products. Like they just they're hard to make. So this one is the first one where I've seen like a consumerized form factor with interesting ideas that are different than where we have been for what is it, seven years now since like AR headsets started to be a thing? It's been a long time. And this is the first real different riff on it that I've seen. So even if there's problems, I think it's important for us to be like, yeah, people are taking shots at consumer AR and VR devices because no one really knows how they're going to come out. No one knows how they're going to be. I think the counterpoint to that is that It's really weird that people tend to assume that if you're not a hardcore gamer, you don't want motion controllers. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people really like Supernatural, right? It's this VR fitness app. 
you can't do anything like that in this. Yeah. You can't do it because they don't have motion controls. They don't, it's again, pretty finicky to just keep on your head if you're doing intense fitness. There was this product design that HTC had a while back that was a concept for a fitness headset. It seemed like a great idea because that's exactly the kind of thing that people I think really want in VR. And this is just going the other direction. It's just, it is pushing in a direction that I feel like is not even VR at all. And it's really frustrating that VR that uses hand controllers and VR that really lets you use your body and that is full featured is getting painted as this thing that only hardcore gamers want. When I think that's just absolutely not true. Yeah. If you, um, Supernatural is an interesting case, right? So if you look at how they market themselves and who they are marketing, it is not people you would think of as gamers and that's their audience acquisition, right? Like people that you just like regular people who like want to use that thing, want to use a fitness app are buying this headset and controllers and using it and figuring out how to charge it. And they're buying the anchor. Like that's just a different conception of the market than gamers are going to play VR games, which is where this all kind of started. I think that has carried through. The other thing that I think is that you're hitting on that I, I think has just been like a kind of a, a big realization is it really good VR makes you super aware of your body because you're moving around. You just feel like you're doing something else. Like that's one example. There's most of the games that I play in VR are like involve moving around. Like the ping pong game is still like one of Oculus's most popular games. Like you're definitely like, Oh, I'm moving. This thing is like, you're going to be really still and you're going to like float away into space and it's like it cuts against almost everything that I think a lot of the game developers in the Oculus have figured out about what makes the Oculus fun. Without providing the thing that I think a lot of people do want, which is a super no frills, I just want to watch 360 video headset, where it has a pretty simple controller. It's often a thing like film festivals or schools want, where it's really easy to swap devices between people, i.e. a smartphone controller is not really great for that. Yeah. Um, and it should cost less than the Oculus Quest 2, not more. Yeah. Like I said, I, what's interesting to me is we all are taking it for granted that there's going to be AR experiences and VR experiences. And then when you're like, look, you're like, yep, there's like three things that can enable that right now. And two of them are like very expensive. And then there's some weird glasses that give you the bug eyes and like, we should pay a lot more attention to them. <laughs> this could have been the supernatural machine. I just get kind of upset about that. Like, you're, you're explaining it to me and I was like, oh man, this would be great for Supernatural. And then you got to stationary and I was like, <laughs> now it is useless for Supernatural. I just, yeah, I we'll don't see. When does it. it come out? Uh, the pre-orders actually started today and it's shipping in November. How is the view on it? How is like, is the quality better than, than like the Quest? The field of view is 100 degrees, which is smaller than I feel like the sort of standard is 110 that's yeah. the roughly the quest but you don't really notice it it feels I think after a certain point VR headset FOVs kind of blend together I didn't really have problems with the optics when it actually fit well like the resolution though the resolution is it is 1.6k per eye which is not like five focus out of this three like out of this world mm -hmm. but it's totally doable so are you like seeing all the pixels? Because I think that's that's the thing that always like messes me up with VR is you can see all the pixels on the screen. If you 
wear most current gen VR headsets and that bothers you, then it will probably bother you here. Aww. All right. So that thing's coming out. There's a little bit of other VR news I want to talk about. We should start with Facebook. Zuckerberg, who's the CEO of Facebook, and Boz, who's the new CTO of Facebook, took a lot of photos themselves wearing prototypes. Did we learn anything from them or are they just goofing? I think the thing that Alex Heath pointed out is that we learned that they have a prototype that looks a whole lot like what people think Apple's AR headset is going to look like, Apple's AR VR headset. It is hard to read too much into this because they tend to, Facebook Reality Labs just shows off prototypes that never turn into anything. It's done that before. It's shown off like VR gloves, um, things that just it's working on, but you shouldn't take as being a roadmap to a product. But it's definitely interesting that they're being much more open with showing this stuff off when they've been a little bit more cagey and a little bit more focused on we're just going to show things that clearly are internals and are not a thing you could even possibly mistake for a consumer device. Yeah. I think it's funny. um, The Zuckerberg photo, he says it's a retina resolution prototype, which, Alex, to your point, high resolution. But, like, Apple made up the phrase retina resolution. Like they just invented it out of nowhere. So you can't see the pixels <laughs> and now everyone has to use it. That one looks kind of chunky, right? It's like very prototypey. The one that Boz is wearing in the tweet absolutely looks like that render. It, the reason Heath knows that is because he's the one who broke the story about what the headset would look like at the information. <laughs> so it's like seared in his brain. But yeah, that is fascinating to me that I don't, I just, it's weird that there's not as much design divergence in this market yet. Like, Maybe it's because it just has to fit on your head and the technology is all kind of the same. But like, we're many years into it. We're still like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a shoebox on your face. Yeah. That's that's as far as we've gotten. I think they've converged a surprising amount. If you remember the PlayStation VR, which is a thing that we are probably going to be seeing more of soon, given that PlayStation, Sony seems to just be teasing a PlayStation VR 2 all the time now. But PlayStation VR was super weird looking. Mm-hmm. The headsets used to be really divergent. And I think they've kind of coalesced onto, A, no matter what you do, you're never going to look cool, so you might as well be utilitarian. And B, there are like two consumer headsets now uh, (laughs) until we get something like a PlayStation VR 2. Yeah. And then the last piece of uh, X reality news, uh, Magic Leap, which I feel like just telling the history of Magic Leap would be another 20 minutes. But Magic Leap is a company. They raised a lot of money. They fell apart. They got rid of the CEO. But they've now raised another ha- uh, half a billion dollars to make an AR headset. I love it. I want to. I'm just the respect for these people and how they just get money. They do just get money. Um, they demoed it on CNBC. They've got a Magic Leap two, and they're like, it's got the largest AR field of view. And then what they <laughs> sort of like dance. mumbled through is that they meant vertical field of view, and it's like a little bit, not horizontal field of view, which is the same. I, I keep coming back to that there's like a checklist of AR stuff you need to build, right, to make an AR headset. The first is the display technology, and no one has one. Like, we're all still putting LCDs in front of our face, right? Well, Magic Leap isn't. It's still, it's right in that zone. They were, remember they were no, Magic Leap, the- it's a transparent waveguide. It <laughs> bounces stuff. So there's stuff where you're staring directly at the screen, and there's stuff where the screen's bouncing light off something else and then it's projecting the light in front of your eyes. Completely different. But I think the something else for them is still an LCD display. (laughs) No, 
they, as far as I know, they use waveguides, which are like uh, just layers upon layers of glass and they beam it through and it diffracts. Same with HoloLens too, I believe. Right. Right, but that. By the way, hi everybody. Disclosure: My wife works for Oculus. I've been very quiet for this whole conversation. You're so close. <laughs> well, right, there was but... also the uh, there was the one that shot that beamed the image into your retina that I that I did um, some yes. time ago. Yeah, the Av- Avagant Glyph. Yes, the Avagant Glyph. Yeah, uh, actually, between Dieter and I mean, Addy's got the library of headset photos, but. Dieter's like Avagon photo is like on the walls, so like in billboards in China. <laughs> so it has been pirated beyond belief. No, but the 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 way I understand what you mean about the waveguides, but the the Avagon was like a very novel application of a technology, right? It was like a totally different way of getting your eyes to see an image. Waveguides are still like a thing that's in front of you that you have to see through, and their image still comes from a bunch of LEDs. And like that to me is like, it's still right in the, there's just something there about the display technology that is not allowing the thing to happen. Like it's the big problem. Then there's the processing problem. Then there's the battery life problem. Then there's the operating system problem. And then there's like the application layer problem. And the control problem and the social problem. Right. And then like who gets to augment reality problem. Oh, I mean control just like literally how you use the controls. No one's come up with a, a really great control like interface method yet. Yeah. The HoloLens one is pretty good, right? Like, I used that and I felt like they figured it out. Addie was looking at me. Yeah. You you disagree. I can see it on your face. I think that the hand tracking, the problem with hand tracking is that hand tracking is not super reliable. Mm. That it is largely reliable, but imagine that you click a, you have a mouse trackpad and like every one in every 10 times it fails, you're going to, that's going to drive you crazy. Like, the great thing about a hardware button is that a hardware button almost always works. And I just don't think that the AirTap system, while, again, I think it's super technically innovative and I really yeah. applaud them for doing it. I just don't think it's a great control method yet. Okay. Yeah. I really like rings. I like the idea that you'd have these rings on your finger and they're most it's mostly motion tracking, but also you have these buttons and you can like click them and they're kind of like brass knuckles. I don't know. <laughs> I think I saw that in a patent once. That sounds really, I, I am now on board with that one. That one sounds incredible. Yeah. But the Magic Leap, the, at the beginning, right? Remember their line was they're going to hack the GPU of the brain? <laughs> because God, all of this. <laughs> it was incredible. All of that was about a display technology, right? They were going to beam light into Directly your into eyes. Directly into your eyes. Right, which ways. they abandoned midway through development because they couldn't miniaturize it. Right. They just, and remember there's that great picture in Wired of like the light pipes coming off. Of, it was great. It was great. So now they're they're chasing after this, but they've lost. Magic Leap had all kinds of famous people on board. They'd hired all these artists. It's just like unclear. They're chasing this technology now, this enabling AR technology. But it's unclear if this is the thing that iterates to like the final one, or if they're still trying to build the hack the GPU of the mind tech, or even once they get there, like what applications it will run. But I'm happy they have another half billion dollars. It's just, if you just look at that stack of problems, they're pretty narrowly focused on the first one now, which is this, the display problem. And all of the rest of them are just way more complicated. And I'm saying way more complicated, even though the display problem is as yet un- unsolved. You have to kind of split it into consumer AR, which is still absolutely nobody has even started to crack, and enterprise AR, where it's just, you're trying to do a specific thing, or I don't know, trying to put 
factory overlays on an airplane so you can learn how to do troubleshooting. And I feel like it's just people think Magic Leap can build that thing and that thing is worth the level of investment. Yeah, and that's what that's what Microsoft has built. Yeah. Right. That is their they whole that, well, that's their pitch. Like, um, I don't know. I in the before time, I like you could go to a basement in Redmond and they'd be like, Do you want to change the spark plug on this ATV? And they'd be like, Here's the HoloLens, like, follow the steps. And he'd be like, I did it. I don't think that's it's often that simple. Also, people have been changing ATV spark plugs without headsets for a long time. <laughs> but like they built that thing and they were partnering with a bunch of companies to train people. I just Every time I I think about AR, we talk about it, that stack of problems starts with the first hardest one, which is the display problem, and it ends at the who gets to augment reality. Did you see the video that James posted, James Vincent posted this week on the site of real-time image replacement? Yeah, they're replacing the, yeah. Did you see it? Yes. Uh, So it's like filming cars down the street, and then in real time, it was being replaced with like bugs or like spaceships. It's okay, like, yeah, they're like replacing the cars with hover cars, and then they replaced this person with a much shorter cartoon character. And then a giant whale splashed into the room, and everybody cheered. <laughs> <laughs> like the ultimate magical leap down. But just imagine if you're wearing these glasses, and like someone else next to you is wearing the glasses, and you're like, man, look at those cars. And like, I don't see cars. It's like, you I think Facebook is a problem now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, I understand that. And I think that that's a valid concern, but it also relies on a pretty intense level of people not realizing that they can take their glasses off. I don't know. Like, <laughs> show me contact contact lenses and I'll, I'll get a little more worried about that. But I, I don't know. I think that people have at least adapted to a certain level of functionality with, say, the CGI in movies. Like, people don't think that the Avengers are real. Mostly. Oh. Mostly. Mostly. Look, they want them to be real. That's not the same thing. (laughs) That's true. I just, I watch that video and I look at the air glasses and I'm like, oh man, like, it might not be great that Facebook is in the lead with this technology (laughs) in terms of divergent fractured realities. Like, what's Um, one company? We shouldn't talk about facial recognition unless I am going to rant for ages. Like, facial recognition and surveillance is the thing that I'm really worried about with Facebook and AR stuff. Like when you just have a camera in front of your face all the time. Yeah. And they are, they've one, they've already built it with Ray-Ban. Did you see, um, Ray-Ban posted like an Instagram ad for their glasses with Facebook and all of the replies are like, no, no, we're not doing this. Like this is creepy. (laughs) Why would you do this? (laughs) Like, and maybe it's bombed, maybe it's trolled. Like, I don't know, but it was just one of those moments where I was like, Oh, the people get it. (laughs) Like, you don't, you don't want these. What's the killer app for AR though, right? I look at a stranger or somebody I've met before and it tells me their name. Like I would, you tell me what ideals of mine I need to compromise to get there. (laughs) I'll like seriously consider. That's my end game. If I could just remember people's names, I would be the most powerful person in the world. That's, I've always believed this. (laughs) It has not incentivized me to get better at remembering people's names, but it's a core belief that I hold. Um, okay, we got to take a break. Addy, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back the next time there's an AR headset or a complicated legal issue to unpack. Or both at once. Or both at once. No. That's when the Apple AR headset comes out. With a lockdown oh, God, yeah. store. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Okay, we're back. Dieter, you reviewed a watch this week. You reviewed this Series 7 watch, and there's an event next week. Let's start with the watch. Uh, the watch is the Series 7. It's um, like a millimeter bigger, both sizes. But the important thing is the screen is bigger, and it's all more durable. And I didn't really express this well in the review, but the important thing about the screen being bigger is actually that the bezels are smaller, if that makes any kind of sense. Yes. Like, it just it looks nicer. Honestly, my take, like, I started the review by saying, here are the questions that are important to ask about your watch, not about this watch. Because all of the questions you might have about this watch are less important than whether or not your watch is still good. Because your watch is almost surely still good. And if it's not, go get this watch. It's great. It's amazing. Uh, I love it. It's the best smartwatch. Nobody else is competing. Nobody else can compete on iOS because it's locked down so much. And on Android, like... We will see if somebody besides Samsung makes a Wear OS watch worth a damn. Uh, Samsung's Wear OS watch is worth a damn, but it's so Samsung up that uh, I don't think it's worth buying if you're not a Samsung user. Tyson uh, super fans. I just went straight to like the dark part. <laughs> of the, the, like, let's talk about wearables. I'm going to talk about how I'm depressed about the ecosystem. Um, no, but like the watch is great. Um, I don't think that the features that are exclusive to the Series 7, there's a couple of watch faces and then the little type E swipe E keyboard thing really need to be. There's one that puts the numbers around the edge, and I think the reason it's exclusive is if you had a bigger bezel, this watch face would look super dumb. It would yeah. be readable, but it would look dumb with with a bezel around it. But, yeah, man, it's great. Like, it's 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 a stupendous watch. I was re-watching my review video made with Viren, and I just was like, you know, it was like the third time I'd previewed it or whatever, and I realized that if you just listen to the tone of my voice in the review and, like, you pay attention to when I got more excited about something, you would think I hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, the watch, the watch is great, but let me tell you about how I'm mad about Ant Plus. You know? <laughs> the watch is great, but why does Apple, you know, it's like uh, all the stuff that I'm frustrated with I get more excited about, I guess. But, yeah, it's a very good watch. I I kind of it's kind of the long and the short of it. They're still selling the SE, which I still think is like worth buying. You know, you compromise in a few things, but they're also still selling the Series Three for like I think it's super cheap. It's still like two hundred bucks, um, and that one, huh, 
You should. I don't know. Don't I don't do think that. you should buy that one. I hate saying don't buy the cheap one because like it does most of the stuff that the more expensive ones do, and it's like perfectly good as a fitness tracker, and it's like Apple supports it with software very well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, nah, dude, you can buy yeah. a forty millimeter refurbished Series Four for two forty nine. Yeah, do that. Buy that. Absolutely, do that. Right. You can but the forty four millimeter refurbished Series Four. Is two seventy two hundred seventy yeah. bucks. Buy that. Yeah, like I would the not most, buy a new Series Three. The most inspiring thing about picking this angle of like, tell me whether or not your current watch is like failing you before you think about what's interesting about this watch is, uh, I had a, one guy who's still using a Series Zero. Wow. And yeah. it's, he's like ending the day with over thirty percent battery life, which is wow, right, very impressive. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my big question about the watch. They haven't really added new sensors. It seems like there's a nope. new chip. It's a very familiar one. They've made the screen bigger. Yeah. And if you just think about the... I'll just give it away. I was on John Gruber's podcast. I said this to him, too, and we both struggled with it. If you just think about what has made people upgrade their Apple Watches, like why I have upgraded, it has been the largest screen on the Series 4 yep. was an instant and immediate upgrade for me. And then always on... Yep. was an instant immediate upgrade for a lot of people after that. Yep. Those are now, the same for me. Yep. And now I'm looking at this one. I'm like, oh, the screen got even bigger. And I'm like, but it, my watch is great. I also don't leave my house very much. <laughs> yeah. the, the screen so, getting bigger on the four, it was, it, it didn't make that big of a functional difference, but it made a big enough one where it felt, it felt like something new and better. It didn't yeah. feel so constricted. The bezels on the three and earlier, like you looked at it, you're like, oh, it's like got squared off edges and it just felt constrained. The, from the four, five, six to the seven, you know, it's like what's the the old movie trope where like you're watching something and then all of a sudden like it get it gets fully widescreen. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm in it now. You don't it's not that kind of moment. The series four was like that moment. The series seven is not. Well, it's yeah. like one the case is like one millimeter larger, right? Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. Is it's the like screen, the, it's not that noticeable. I, I guess my, my big concern before it came out was that it would feel, even though it's not a lot bigger, it would feel bigger because no. that screen's so much bigger. It no. doesn't feel like that. Doesn't feel bigger. Not that to good. me. Um, yeah, I just keep coming back to like people like bigger screens. Mm-hmm. That always drives an upgrade cycle in every part of our industry. People like always on screens driven upgrade cycle like there's this one the next time around they can't make the screen bigger again like what is the upper they bound can, and they how can, big this they can try harder on battery life <laughs> they did not aim higher on battery life okay. and this is the thing that actually makes me unhappy is they're still saying we're aiming for 18 hours and it's like you, you mm, I would have taken a smaller screen and more battery life in a heartbeat I would have done it because um, I like to use it for sleep tracking. And so, like, you have to deal with this dance of I'm, I'm going to charge in the morning and for how long? Do I charge again at night? It'll, like, send you warnings if you're not charged up enough before you go to sleep and blah, 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 blah. So the other other new thing is that it comes with a USB-C charger instead of a USB-A charger. And the coils have been set up slightly differently. They're all still backwards and forwards compatible. They all still work with each other, whatever. But it can f- charge faster off of the USB-C plug. So that's all fine. What's just like deeply fascinating is if you look at the USB-C end of the plug, look at like your Apple USB-C plug and like how long is like the white plastic part at the end, right? Yeah. The white plastic part on the end of the USB-C charger for the Apple Watch is one and a half times bigger. It's like half, it's half as getting longer. It's 
bigger. It's longer. It's a longer plug. Hmm. And I asked why, and they said it was like spreading out the electronics for heat. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. It's not like the thing draws that much power. Is this is this like a sign of USB-C plugs to come from Apple that they're all going to be just like a little bit longer? And of course, Apple doesn't comment on you know future yeah. products or whatever. But yeah, it's a different shape hunk of plastic next to the USB-C plug. It's longer. Weird. Is that just, maybe it doesn't draw a lot of heat, but right, they're pushing more power through inductive to make it charge faster. Yeah, but I mean, the the watch can't take like it's not taking like you know five watts. Like it, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not a monster. Well, it supports yeah. fat. Does it support fast charging now? And it didn't before. Well, it's faster, faster. Uh, but it's not fast not charging like your fast phone is fast capital. charging. Maybe maybe like USB C pushes enough that they needed more like space to slow it down before it hit the watch. I don't know. It's wild. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. That's the watch. It's very nice. It's very nice. But, I, you know, I, I think everyone's waiting for the next time around. There's all these rumors of new sensors and new capabilities. Well, so the rumors, like, really hurt this thing's reception because everyone was expecting a big redesign, and then they didn't get it. And then what we got instead was some pretty iterative stuff, and so everyone feels disappointed. And I think that's all fair, but I also think it's fair to start recalibrating our expectations of, like, what year-over-year improvement looks like, right? The watch had pretty massive year-over-year improvement for a very long time, and I think that time is over for a while. Like, you look at, unless there's, like, a big new generation of Intel chips, you look at year-over-year improvement of, I don't know, the Dell XPS 13 or whatever, and you're not expecting, like, a revolutionary change. The the Surface Pro was the same damn computer for four or five (laughs) years, right? I think that's where we're going to be with the watch. Yeah. Did you read, we covered it on the site, but Business Insider had a big story this week about Apple's health division. Yeah. Lack of focus. Some weird ideas about running their own clinics. It turns out that that's like running a medical clinic is like harder than Apple thought. Wait, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> I, I think it's funny because like my parents are doctors. Like they could have just asked them. Well, it's also <laughs> that like the 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 context you need to understand for the health sensors you have on your watch uh, is you know again I say it every time it's not a medical device it's not a diagnostic device and so the the amount of work that you can do with the data that this thing can actually accurately glean from your body. There is a huge gulf between, like, cool, fun, track some sleep and fitness stuff and, you know, have a little bit of quantified self-data or whatever. It's a fault detection and, like, genuine medical purposes. And I think that Apple assumed that they would be able to cross that gulf at the same pace that they've gotten to where they are now. And the answer is you can't and you definitely can't unless you have a very, very clear purpose. And that BI article was really good at showing that they did not. Yeah. There's also just like a feedback loop problem. You can generate data and maybe you can make your sensors really good at generating clinically valuable data. Then you got to get people to do something about it. Yeah. I think there's still a guy go. I I think it's not garbage in garbage out, but it's like, it's like recycling in. (laughs) (laughs) There's been some studies that like the heart rate tracking is really reliable. Yeah. Okay. Heart rate, heart rate. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Even, like, the the new blood oxygen sensor, I think there was a study, like, a peer-reviewed study that said it was, like, in the same accuracy band as clinical devices. Mm. But none of it is approved. Like, none of it's, like, FDA-approved. So doctors can't rely on it. They can rely on it to say, we're going to measure you with a, an actual medical device. But I think the problem is, like, 
identifying a healthcare problem and then solving it or actually two different things. Yeah. And I, it's a good piece. You should read it. I think they, I think they did a good job. I the comparison I, I will draw is like, they also don't know what they want to do with a car. And like they keep <laughs> taking shots at these huge ideas without a clear sense of what they want to do with it. The difference between the two is the car is a see quote unquote secret. <laughs> like, they've now hired like every car engineer in the world and fired that person. <laughs> like it's not so much secret anymore, but the, the watch are like very loud. Like the advertising for the watch is like a, is a health device now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is the, they're going to add more sensors, but need They need a purpose. They need a thesis for what it's going to do. Anyway, BI piece is good. All right. Let's talk about next week where I feel like the thesis is I've got some money and Apple's going to get it. <laughs> You're giving, giving them some money next week. I would straight up do like a Tesla style hundred dollar deposit on a cyber truck. Like right now, just like <laughs> I want this MacBook pro with whatever chip it's going to be. It's but not like, an Intel chip. Well, which, which it's, one? Cause we're, we're probably going to get 16 inch MacBook pro with an, you know, M one X or M two custom Apple GPU. Yeah, maybe some ports, maybe SD card. Reader. SD card mm. slot. Ooh, yeah. Num, num, num. Like, just you excited about the, uh, the, <laughs> the... Like, why, the... why have an event? Just take the money. Like, I got Apple Pay on my phone. Put up some dialogue box. Like, instead of telling me what's on my Apple TV that I'm already watching, just be like, push this button to receive MacBook Pro. And I would push that button. Are you going to have, like, two screens up for... The, one's the live blog, the other one's just <laughs> refreshing the store? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Are you excited for the potential to, of a mini LED display? No, it's. I don't even care, man. <laughs> I don't, like all of my spec nerdery, whatever. I'm excited about opening a Chrome tab and the fan not turning on. Yeah, on a 16 inch display. My my favorite. Since we all we all were expecting, you know, the two sizes of MacBook Pro with the M1X or M2 or whatever they call it. Uh, two Thunderbolt, two USB C ports, maybe even USB Type A ports, maybe even they're not card putting slot. a USB A port on this thing. I, Are you crazy? You know, <laughs> that that'd be great. I'd take it. Um, okay, there's no, there's not gonna be A ports. But my favorite like prediction, I think it was Neil Dash was like, what if we heard they're getting rid of the Touch Bar at the top, but what if they just inverted it and it was like, oops, all Touch Bar. <laughs> <laughs> or they did keyboard in the front and a giant yeah. screen with a whole trackpad. I, think, I mean, there's some like, you know, bonkers Windows ideas they can lift from. Yeah. But yeah, if they get rid of the touch bar, they add an SD card slot, you know, whatever Apple Silicon chip they're going to do. And then, you know, a mini LED, it's like just icing on the Take cake Take the fi- fans out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I bet these are going to have fans, right? What, what we know about the M1 yeah. is that the Air doesn't have a fan, and it's thermally gated in terms of performance. And the 13-inch MacBook Pro has a fan and is not thermally gated. Yeah. Yep. So, like, these are going to have fans. But, like, I am excited to try to make those fans turn. I guarantee you that Google Meet and Chrome will make those fans turn. <laughs> 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 um, but I'm also excited, like, I will say as somebody who's been fighting a 16-inch MacBook Pro, I – that thing needs a hundred watt USB-C power supply mm-hmm. and USB-C does not like that. It is, that thing is in a fight with its own power supply all the time. I've had to reset its power controller, like the SMC, like a dozen times. Those, those USB PD controllers have gotten better than when they were in that version of the MacBook. And maybe, maybe they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll support the new 240 spec. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm, my big guess is that, the M series chips are not going to require a hundred watt power supply. 
Oh, that's probably a safe bet. Yeah, not, I would be not shocked. Not a guarantee, but it's probably a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's and the that, next Verge cast. That's yeah. next, it's just me talking about the power supply of the new <laughs> MacBook. We're not going to talk about any of the specs. I'll be like, no. let me tell you about the power supply. But uh, Actually, I, I, can I, can I yeah. tell you something crazy about USB-C? So have you ever wondered why there are uh, Thunderbolt or USB-C ports on one side of a Mac but not the other on the lower-end Macs? Yes, constantly. Getting data at a proper Thunderbolt speed from one side of the laptop to the other requires <laughs> like a little booster in the middle to just go that distance, <laughs> and they don't want to spend the extra money to put the extra controller in. That's incredible. So it's, it's, just, it's much, much cheaper to just have them on one side. It's just a little guy going, get on. Yeah. Get, get, <laughs> get it's, it's like it's like the coach in a rally. Just going, go, go, you got it. They don't want get him. There. They 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 fired him. What's, <laughs> what's interesting to me about these Macs, even though like they're not announced, like we don't know for sure everything that's in them or whatever, is other than the mini LED screen tech. There's not like a big idea, right? The the original MacBook, MacBook, little baby MacBook. The big idea is we're gonna make it really thin and have a crazy keyboard. And then the big idea with the MacBook Pro is, you know, we're getting rid of the ports and we're putting a touch bar in it. And like <laughs> a, a five year disaster of an idea. Yeah, the, I the, loved that touch bar. No, don't even start. Uh, What's wrong? But with you? For, you love the Apple TV reasons. remote. Like, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex showed up. I'm gonna say Alex showed up in the Verge, and she's like. Two things you need to know about me. Love the touch bar. Huge apologist for the Apple TV remote. I was like, what? Did we screw this up? And I still got hired. Hell yeah. I just, no, I think, I think it's like, I think it is emblematic of what you're talking about. Of like Apple doesn't have really big ideas in this space because like the touch bar, there was potential there. And no one ever explored it. And Apple went out of its way to make sure no one explored it. Like, it was always kind of terrible. And, and you know, there, there wasn't, like, a lot of, like, developer support for it or anything. And it could have been cool. I mean, if you were willing to spend three weeks taking a self-taught course on how Better Touch Tool works, it is very cool. The better Touch, touch bar is Tool very is cool. amazing. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's how I convinced somebody. I bullied a coworker at my last job into using <laughs> into liking the touch bar by being like, it's use gone. this one. We app. have to stop talking about it. What we need to talk about is how it's going away. It's going yeah. away, and, and that's for this the best. Reign of terror is finally coming to a close. <laughs> uh -huh. They needed an answer to touchscreen laptops. Yeah, right. And their answer was the touch bar. And then a, bit, a little bit later, the answer was it. We're just going to turn the iPad into a laptop. <laughs> yep. Right, but if you think about when the Touch Bar came out, it was before the iPad as a laptop era began. It Apple. wasn't a computer yet. Now it is. Right, they weren't doing flippy cases and styluses and multitasking. It was so they're yeah. like, well, you want a touchscreen? How about this crappier touchscreen? <laughs> the smaller, crappiest and will get in your way. Uh, so do you use Better Touch? I use a thing called Pock, which literally I use just to disable it, just to <laughs> yeah. make that a series of fixed things that I can't accidentally touch. So I hope they get away with that. They do. I beg I, I will miss accidentally hitting that escape key, that invisible oh, escape man. key. I will miss yeah. that the most. That didn't go bad for me ever. Oops, so touch my, bar. I'm telling you. Here's my you, question. So they're going to do 16 and a 14. Then they still have the 13. You think they're going to leave that at M1 or are they going to replace the 13-inch Pro with the 14-inch Pro? They got to replace it, right? Because the 13 MacBook Pro, like is fine but not great 
you got to go to 14. Everybody else is at 14. I bet they don't. I bet that if the, if the 14 is going to have mini LED, why would they – they'd have to do an entirely different build to get the other screen tech in there. So I think it, it's going to stick around as like the, the, the weird one. The Apple Watch 3 of laptops. <laughs> right. So then there's that. And then, then the differentiation is you got two with an M1 and then you got the two with whatever the steamship will be called. The big question is they're not going to use AMD GPUs in these anymore, right? Probably not. I, that seems like a very safe assumption. Yeah. So then the big question is what are they going to do to compete with NVIDIA and AMD who are not Intel? Like the last time they did this, they're like, <laughs> we're going to beat the dominant chip vendor in our space. And everyone was like, you mean Intel? And they're like, uh-huh. And that was, everyone's like, that's going to be easy. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that was a low bar to get over. AMD and NVIDIA are not Intel. Like, their parts are power hungry, but they are extremely high performance. Mm-hmm. And people really like them. Yeah. So, like, a big question for me is, like, how, what are they going to, how are they going to do that? Like, what's the strat? And then how are they going to get their app vendors to support their wacky new GPU idea? which they are already not great at with their AMD chips. I mean, for the laptops, I think the answer is they're not worried about it. They're not going to be gaming machines, whatever. They, they do just fine with Adobe and a few other stuff. They've got enough apps that code to, you know, their metal APIs and whatever. I think that they can push that question to the ARM-based Mac Pro. <laughs> yeah, that's getting punted to like next year when the new trash can comes out. <laughs> You're always going to call the it a trash, trash can. can. Oh Sorry. My God. Maybe. It's I, a cheese grater. Excuse me. Excuse me. Cheese grater. Yeah, the trash can. The trash can was Apple's previous wacky GPU idea that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just curious. Like, that to me, in terms of here's big ideas. Yeah, we expect the form factor the same. They're going to backtrack on. They've already backtracked on the keyboard. They're praying. They backtrack on the touch bar and ports. Maybe they'll have a new thing. But the real innovation here is going to be in the GPU, and we have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, like, maybe I, also battery life, right? Well, I mean, I, I hope so. If the M1 Airs are any indication, like, it, it kind of comes along. I haven't charged mine in weeks. That's <laughs> not true. I charge it, like, once a week, but I also don't use it as often. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to charge your laptop. You don't use it. <laughs> I think it's... It legitimately gets better battery life than my iPad Pro. Like, yeah, I don't have to charge it nearly as often. I don't have to worry about it. I can do like a whole day of work on it and a lot of work and still have juice left over. And I don't see that a lot in the PC space in the 14 and 16 inch area. And that's like, I think that's a place where Apple could like, okay, maybe it's GPUs aren't going to be as fancy, but also everybody works from home now. So they've got like, other computers that can do that, but a big screen and a big battery life. Ooh, that's nice. I mean, if they put out the 16 inch and it's just the M one with a gigantic battery (laughs) and they're like, this will last for four days. I think we'd be like dope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's one more big idea for the Mac. That's actually a small idea that Apple refuses to think about. And there's a bet currently about how long until they give up and do it. And that's just make it a touchscreen. Stop being so precious about it. Oh, I'm about to lose this bet, aren't I? Yeah. There's no way this is a touchscreen. 
number one. And number two, I don't know when they're gonna when they're gonna do it. No, I don't, but wasn't the bet between you and me and Joanna? Yeah, and you were like, they're gonna do it next year, next so, week, the next MacBook. So I've already lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's if you're listening to this, just ignore it. I'm gonna be <laughs> none of this ever I'm happened. gonna be shouting out from the audience at the the Vergecast party when she's on that stage. Oh, just to we're remind you. We're going to have to bring this up. I, I don't remember what the bet was for. But we'll go look it up. Fair, but they have to do it sometime, right? No, they don't. <laughs> hmm. You know, like, like here's, here's Apple's willingness to be obstinate. They're on iOS 15, and just to piss me personally off, they won't let you set multiple timers in the clock app on an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you I can like do that. it on the watch. I like that you're pros for the watch for multiple timers. (laughs) That was very good. We'll see. We'll put that in the realm of I looked at Big Sur, and I still look at Big Sur all the time. Like, you should be able to touch most of these controls. Yeah. Big Sur has better better touch targets than Chrome OS. I'm not kidding. That's – yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. So that's the the big rumor next week is the MacBook Pro. And like I'm saying, if they, the bar is like, don't blow it. Yeah. yeah. It's not really like, it's just deliver the level of improvement that you delivered with the M1 Air. Mm-hmm. And then everyone will be thrilled. We're also, what, we're expecting anything else? They didn't announce AirPods at the last event. And there was a bunch of rumors. It just seems like a weird fit. But those are still out there. There's like... I mean, we're not due for an iPad Pro, I don't think. So I'm not really holding out hope for that. Like, Although, you know, the last iPad Pro, they're like, what? We're putting M1 in it. Yeah. So maybe they're going to be like, M2. But why not? That'd be weird. That'd be weird. I hope yeah. it's the AirPods, though. Why wouldn't they release them with the phone, though? That's That seems like... We're going to get, like, the uh, video of the person working on their computer, taking it to different places, and then the slow zoom as they reach into their pockets to pull out the AirPods. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Are we wait, AirPods or AirPods Pro? Because there's a rumor that the AirPods are due for a full on redesign. Right. right. And this is the time to do it before the holidays. Mm-hmm. And then AirPods Pro, there's some rumors they're going to like rework those a little bit to. I feel like we heard like, a lot of better. AirPod Pro rumors early on this year and then it all disappeared and it just became AirPods 3. Yeah, there's yeah. rumors that they're going to do some some like really future looking stuff, by like monitor your posture, stop you from hunching over, and also take your temperature. In your I don't ear. want that. But that's that's years off, or at least a year off. Yeah, I I, I forget about those things with AirPods. I'm like, I'm not. You're really assuming that I'm never taking these out of my 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 head. Yeah. Like you, no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> All right, that's the Apple stuff. Like I said, we're going to cover it next week. Is going to be nuts, but Apple's first. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we got to talk about Google and Samsung, who are also next week. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, we're back. So Apple is on Monday, Mm -hmm. 
and I feel like a, a theme of our conversation was we're, we know it's going to happen. We're just excited for it. Google is on Tuesday. Yep. I would say in a similar way, <laughs> we extremely know what's going to happen. Are, are, we know the is most. It the, the, the giant billboards and uh, NFL <laughs> football game ads and like, <laughs> I don't – what's left for them to do? Tell us the price and the release date and show us some more camera samples? Yeah, and hand them out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So we, there are some rumors. So, so there's a Pixel Six event, which is what we should it's say. Pixel Six, Pixel Six Pro. We've seen we've seen teardown videos. Like there's some like <laughs> assembly and disassembly video that was like you know sent out to factories or something, and so we just got to watch those, which is incredible. Um, there's a rumor of a magic eraser feature, so you can erase people in photos if you don't want to see them. Um, yes. yeah. I love it. That's pretty good. Notably, not uh, the, the the infamous chain link fence. Yeah. Example from the Google I.O. Well, from if the person ago. paints a chain link fence on their face, hopefully yeah, you'll maybe. be able to delete them. Uh, and then there's also a rumor that they're going to do a Pixel Pass, which is the thing that everyone was waiting for Apple to do with the iPhone, which is they'll bundle a bunch of Google services together and a payment plan for the Pixel. That sounds nice. So the big question, now that I think about it, is like the phone has been extremely leaked. Yeah, we're familiar with it. We need to know the price. The big question, if they do this entire event and they're just like, here's the forthcoming ad blitz for the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro. Here's our marketing plan with Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. Here's where the stock will be. I'd be like, that is more than I've ever heard about that plan for a Pixel ever. Mm-hmm. They're and not gonna. That's not. That's not gonna be part of the launch event. They're gonna. They're gonna lay out their marketing PowerPoint. Like, what yeah. No, I'm saying this for? would be better for better for us in terms of understanding what how serious they are with this phone. Because right. every year we're like, are they serious this year? Yeah. But like Pixel Pass, Google One subscription, all those bundles are cool. But they, they like the reason the Apple One is is interesting as it is is they've already gotten people to pay for most of those things. Right, like a lot of people pay for Apple Music and Apple TV Plus, and I don't think as many people pay for games, but they want them to. You can't breathe at an iPhone without it asking you to pay for iCloud. Right. I don't know that Google has that demand to bundle up and then be like, just YouTube Red in a deal. Right. It's YouTube Red, which is great. Uh, It's YouTube Premium now. Excuse me, sorry. So I'm just saying, like, it's cool if they make it, but they gotta. They need to market the phone first. They need to yeah. get people on the train. People have well, to buy the phone. The yeah. other thing is like the reason the iPhone 12 and now I think the 13 sold so well and probably are selling so well isn't just people saw Apple's deals on Apple.com. They got aggressively sold the phones by carriers with trade-in deals and spiffs and you know free and blah, blah, blah. Will Google be able to secure those same sorts of deals and that same level of carrier promotion, especially after all the carriers have just done a month of it with Apple? Are they going mm-hmm. to re-up it again with Google? I don't know. Part of me thinks that like the smartest thing Google could do is just start releasing these things in like July so that they could just get the <laughs> carrier deals ahead of Apple's deals. <laughs> you know? But that's like – that's to me the real question is have they made the backroom deals that they – need to make to actually get carriers, especially here in the U.S., to push it. Because, you know, Google's uh, historically been really focused on the Pixel in the U.S., a couple other markets. Apparently, they're big in Japan. But if they can't win here, they're not going to win anywhere else. 
Yeah. Especially when you're up against everybody that's making Android phones in China or Pixel even plan, and you're up against Samsung. And, like, Samsung's having a hard time selling phones. They're having a hard time making phones because yeah. uh, of the chip shortage. But, like, if Samsung is struggling right now, relatively speaking, what are the chances that Google won't be? No, this is what I'm saying. Samsung's struggling right now because of some external factor, the chip shortage, is an yep. opportunity for Google to go and win. If they've just got, like, a, a cache of phones that they've been making for a year before the chip shortage started or what? I don't know. Like, we... Remember, we still kind of don't know what chip is in this thing. Yeah, that's fair. Right? So it's like, a tensor. We, we know what Samsung is using. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Like maybe they've got an opportunity here with a different chip vendor and a different supply. Although don't we think it's an Exynos chip? I think that was the theory, right? What's a computer? Okay. <laughs> so we don't know. All I'm saying is if in a normal year, Google announcing this phone and saying, we're, we're doing it, we're taking it serious, our first real flagship, and then trying to take share from Samsung is like a dicey political proposition, right? They're going to piss off their biggest vendor that is always threatening to go do some ties and stuff. Mm-hmm. This year, they're like, well, you didn't make any phones. We did. <laughs> Everybody check out our pixel marketing. Yeah. And they, they can just be like, sorry, like, you know. Times are tough all over. You made, you like, made a whole bunch of folding phones in the middle of a you know, <laughs> pandemic recession. <laughs> yeah. like that, that wasn't the right move. How's that working? So, uh, that's all I'm saying is that they have an opportunity here. And so I'm, I'm joking that what they should do is hold an hour-long event about their marketing strategy. But when it comes to the outstanding question about the Pixel phones, I would get more from that where they just yeah. like PowerPointed me through their carrier co-branding deals <laughs> than another presentation on a camera, which they already well, told so hang you on. about. The camera is actually a big open question. They need to see, they need to prove they can be competent in video, which they have yet to do full Fair. stop. Um, and everyone caught up and surpassed them in camera quality, right? The, they, they, they haven't changed the pixel camera since like the two or the three. So they need to show that they are back, that they are like up there or, or winning again. And I don't think that that's a thing that they can definitively they could say that they have in their launch event but like the real question will be when we review them have they actually done the thing that they brought the pixel back to being class leading or at least competitive because if the pixel doesn't have a competitive camera then the only reason to buy it is because you like google's version of android and i like google's version of android but i don't hate samsung so much that i wouldn't use it to get a better phone yeah i think it's interesting to think about what class leading camera means right now okay well i just they all are apple introduced photographic styles like you can make it look like a samsung camera you can make it look like a pixel like Mm -hmm. they've all converged more or less on a set of looks they've all converged on hdr right the pixel was way ahead because hdr was a an actually novel technology and it took apple and samsung two or three years to catch up yep to the original hdr implementation the pixel had then you've got crazy zooms, and this one appears to have a crazy zoom. Then you've got video. And if they saw video, like, we're not at a place where we're saying we need more resolution. We're not at a place where we're saying we need a different, better, more natural looks. Like, we're, we're at a very technical place of camera quality now. Yeah. A- apart from video, which I agree with you. So it's, it's just like how they're going to prove that point is going to be interesting, I think. The yeah. astrophotography was not like... People are like, I got to throw my iPhone in the river and get... I was the only one excited about that. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'm excited for it. I mean... Is there good, the, have we heard any other, like, rumors? Are we going to get, like, 
I don't know, a new computer or anything from Google this year? Is there any other hardware? Is it just going to be the Pixel? Rumors? I mean, there was, there was a rumor of like a charging dock, like a wireless charging thing. Not a dock, but, you know, a pad. No um, clips, though. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not expecting a new version of Clips. <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar, and why would you be? Because who remembers it? Uh, Google made a standalone baby camera that was just like the Pixel camera with no screen. It was called Clips, and it, the, the idea was you wouldn't take the picture; you would just set it down, and it would know when to take the picture. They didn't make a second version of it. No, that thing was. It's funny how much like I'm like, oh, that was fun, yeah. but creepy. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Google, we all, we knew when their event was for a long time. Then Apple announced theirs. Apple Day before traditionally Google's. on Tuesdays. Yeah. They announced it on Monday. So, okay. Very nice of them. Very and polite. then Samsung, it's like the last minute, <laughs> was like, yo, <laughs> we're going to do an event next week. They could have waited one week and had a whole week to themselves. Yep. They didn't do that. What nope. is Samsung doing next week? Uh, it's Unpacked Part 2. Ooh. The invite has stuff about, you know, everyone is really personal and the, everything is, you know, you got to express yourself. And then the graphic has got a bunch of different colored panels coming together into cubes. Hmm. So my guess is that what we're looking at is you'll be able to, if you want to buy one of Samsung's uh, wonderful flip phones, because those are the kinds of phones they're selling now, you'll be able to, like, customize the colors of the two sides of it. That's my guess. I don't know if I need a, a streaming event to tell me about that. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe they'll go back to being truly deeply weird. And they'll yeah. just like, it'll just be like a, you know, 45 minute long vision quest. I want, I'm, just re- I'm reading this quote that you read. I'm going to read the whole thing to people. Okay. Our, our users are multifaceted and live life in so many colorful, interesting, and unique ways. As such, the technology they use every day should reflect their individuality. Join Galaxy Impact 2 to see how Samsung is opening up new experiences for self-expression through technology. Oh. Mm. So we're going to get, like, instead of a BTS edition phone, we're going to get one for each guy in the band. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pumped. It does. This does seem like a bunch of colors. Yeah. Yeah. Patterns. A whole event for that seems strange to me. It also seems strange to me. But I don't know. Uh, I did the whole video about how phones can be thought of as fashion objects. Maybe they'll just it'll just be like a like an actual like runway show. We're gonna see your face. They're gonna they're gonna no, don't do, that. do a cut of it. Absolutely did not license <laughs> my face, my likeness, any part of me to Samsung. Amazing. I mean that's just a packed week. Yeah, and then we've got a party. And we to celebrate being done. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> All right. Dieter, you told me we could not leave this episode without talking about the Van Moof V. Yes. The e-bike. Oh, that you boy. were hype about. It is pretty exciting. It's the V, not the 5, uh, which is odd. It's a pedal assist e-bike. That's what Van Moof makes. You know, there's technical details. It's got suspension and it's got two hub motors. But the, the key point here is it goes 37 miles per hour wow. or 60 kilometers per hour. That's amazing. Um, it's got a 700-watt-hour battery, uh, so it will go for a while. And it is only going to be, like, relatively cheap. I think it's going to be, yeah, 3500 bucks. 
which for that class of e-bike is pretty impressive. And Van Woof's thing, and Thomas Ricker wrote a great piece on this, is they are really trying to push local governments to change rules around e-bikes to allow for transportation like this. Um, and hopefully cities to, like, change up roads to, like, make space for transportation like this. Because, I don't know, man, a, a bike going nearly 40 miles an hour in a bike lane in a city? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that seems nuts. So you, you, you'll be in the lane. You'll be you'll be out there with the cars. And if you're out there with the cars, like, please wear a helmet. But also, our cities are designed to accommodate and make a ton of space for ever-increasing SUVs uh, and, you know, giant trucks and whatever. And a lot of that, a lot of those trips could be done with something like a bike. And so Van Woof is trying to push that. Again, everybody knows I've become radicalized by e-bikes and I want everyone to get an <laughs> e-bike, whatever, if you're able to do it. But there are other bikes in this zone. There are other, like, pedal assist or there, there are, like, electric motorcycles that happen to have pedals on them, so they count as bikes. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. When you're going um, 40 miles an hour on this thing, are you pedaling? You need to pedal, yeah. And Whee! you can pedal at 40 miles an hour. Well, there's gears, and then there's a motor. So you're you're pedaling as you're basic. You moving your feet is basically the equivalent of pushing on the gas pedal. You just have I to see. keep moving it. It's kind of the long and the short of it. I will say so, this bike looks sick, and I want one immediately. Yeah, it looks it sick. It looks super dope. Um but the pedals here are, like, w- the line between this and, like, just a motorcycle is incredibly fuzzy. Yeah. So, like, what sort of training does a rider need to have to be going 40 miles an hour on one of these things? Will the streets be designed to accommodate it? Will they be safe around cars? Will cities allow it? Like, all of those questions are, like, shruggy. Like, not even Amsterdam, the, the like, the, the Eden of biking the, the greatest place in the world to own a bike and to get around on a bike <laughs> is ready to deal with a machine like this. Um, you can go, you can buy one and go rogue and, you know, ride around, bomb around New York City, you know, like people do with a Super 73 or whatever. But Venmoof got a huge infusion of cash recently. They're like, they're seriously hard charging and they want to, you know, them and uh, a bunch of others, they want to like, this is the future of transportation, they hope. Um, yeah. But like, no one is ready for it yet. This thing is faster. I had a gas-powered scooter in law school in Madison. Yeah. It was called the Honda Ruckus. <laughs> the Ruckus, could that's amazing. barely crack 40 miles an hour. Yeah. This thing is faster than that, which is just bonkers to think about. And it's 3500 bucks, And it's all electric. All right, I'm buying one. And I'm not buying a Pixel 6 on the show next week. I'm going to buy it. How fast does, does the one that Josh did that great story on, the Arrow... Oh, I don't think that's capped. I don't. I, it might be a, like a twenty-eight class three, but uh, those things are pretty easy to mod to go a little faster. If you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're Get talking about juice. Josh's delivery worker story. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, there's like you buy those from like a vendor, and they've got shops everywhere that like mod them and repair them for you. Let yeah. them go fifty miles an hour. Yeah. We. Um, okay. We've gone over, my friends. We have. So, next week, come to our party. Foxmediaevents.com slash on the verge. I want to say that's correct, right? I hope so. Eli's going to have to pay for a bet on stage. <laughs> no. It's going to be great. Yeah. Voxmediaevents slash on the verge. Offer code dollar sign 99 now. We'd love to see you there. Dieter's going to premiere a movie that he made about handspring. 
Well, it's a short movie. It's, it's like a half an hour. It's a movie. It's yeah. a movie. A documentary. It's gonna, I mean, the whole thing is going to be wild. We'd love to see you there. Come to, come, come to our party. That's what I'm saying. Pay us money and come to our party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not party trick, right? Uh, you can tweet at us. In addition to coming to our party, Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Addy is at the Dextriarchy. Dieter is at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. Decoder this week was Dave Lent from Amazon. Next week, it's the CEO of Jeep, Christian hmm. Meunier, who we talked about hybrid cars quite a bit. That's happening. And then, Dieter, you've got something special happening on Tuesday. Uh, we're doing special episodes of the Verge cast. Uh, we did the Surface Stravaganza last week. We will do maybe one or two more sort of tech event or review focused things, but we also are going to have some episodes focusing in on uh, really specific, nerdy, but hopefully fun things. Little hint: um, I don't, I didn't know that little detail about how USB C on the MacBook works just randomly. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh! So, is this how you get your RCS episode? I, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. Oh my god! All right, that's it. Rock and roll. Get a shot. <laughs>